Two weeks ago, we had David Bennett's preach, right? I wasn't here, but I, I was in a Belclutha, but I heard that David preached. Last week, Jill Bennett's preached, right? I heard that one. This week, Paul Bennett's was preaching. I think there's something going on here. I think it was, was it baby bear, mama bear, now it's papa bear. And uh, next week, it will be Goldilocks, right? Is that, that how it goes? I think it's you, Carl, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Wow. It's gold with a bit of platinum mixed in, right? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm platinum as well. It's better than gold. Cool. And the theme for the past few weeks, if you've been around or if you haven't, just to remind you, has been our response to God. And back on the, the first one of the series, which uh, senior leader um, Goldilocks, oh, sorry, sorry, what was it? Carl Crocker. Um, gave us the opportunity to say yes to God in a very interesting way. He gave us on our seats one of these little yes cards, or two of them. One was a white one, one was a black one, right? And you came up and we were able to put our cards up here in the front, which became an altar, which we sang yes to whatever God had in store for us this year. That was a great time. But I was thinking about that, and I began to wonder what would happen if my response to God was actually no? So that actually, even when I came up with my card on the 11th of Feb, a few weeks ago there, I put my yes there because everybody else put their yes there, and I thought, well, I'd better do it because they'll notice that I haven't, so I put my yes there. Or, or maybe, I, maybe, maybe what happened was that I put my yes there, but I was thinking, well, Lord, I will say yes if you do this for me or if this happens in my life this year. So really, my yes was a qualified maybe. But what if, what if when I put my yes there, really inside I was saying no? Hmm. And of course, in life, we should say no to all sorts of things. Have you learned that already? Yeah. yeah. And we need to say no well and learn how to say no well. But we're talking in these weeks of response about saying yes to God, yeah. right? And all of us, I reckon, want to do the right thing when it comes to God. Are you with me on that one? But do you know that there are times we don't do that totally the right way, right? I mean, I've made a few dumb mistakes once or twice. That was just this morning, by the way, too, so. Let me read you a, let me read you a short story Jesus told about two sons, not the famous one about the two sons, which is the prodigal son story, but another two sons in Matthew 21. It'll be up on the screen for you here. Here it is. Just as Jesus talking, what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, Son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, No. <laughs> I won't go. But later he changed his mind and put his yes back down again and, and went anyway. Then the father told the other son, You go. And he said, yeah, Yes, Lord, yes, I will, I will go. But he didn't go. Which of the two obeyed his father? They replied, 
the first. It seems to me these two sons had their yes and their no quite mixed up. Would you agree? Both sons were disrespectful to their dad, weren't they? And in some ways, both of them had a rebellious streak, it would seem. I can identify with that. Anyone else can identify with that one? But they also both changed their minds. And only one of them, though, by changing his mind, showed real repentance and finally did what his father wanted him to do, so his no became yes, did what his father asked. In an entirely different context, in the letter of James, James says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Just look at the screen for a moment, will you? No, 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 he finally got there, right? No, 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 yes. Who remembers those those programs? I've learned in dealing with God, by far the best thing to do is to say yes to him. Who can identify with Jim Trot up there? When often when God says, hey, I want this to happen in your life, Paul, do you go, no, 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 well, maybe, yes, you know. But I've learned the best thing when I say yes to him is to mean I am saying yes to him. And then ask his help, Lord, help me to follow through with my yes. So I don't forget that I put it down there on the altar and carry out the yes and fulfill the yes and achieve what you want me to do through that yes when I intend really to to say yes. And I think, you know, saying yes to God is the only way for life to make real sense. Continuing to say yes to God, right, throughout our lives is the only way for us to reach the full potential and the destiny God has for us. Would you agree this morning? But what happens if my response is no? What happens if my response is no? I want to look at one of the best examples that I can think of from the Bible of someone who said no to God and see if we can glean something for our own lives from that. I'm talking about Jonah. Many of you are familiar with this story and it's a whale of a tale, isn't it, really? It's, you know, it's, some would say it's a bit fishy, actually, but even a little bit difficult to swallow. And actually, you know, I was thinking, um, Jonah was a bit down in the mouth about it all, wasn't he, to be honest, you know? Yeah, okay, enough of those dad, those dad jokes. Actually, I've found they become granddad jokes now. I reckon, Eric, you're good at 
those, aren't you? Dad jokes and granddad jokes and, yeah. Who gets told off for their dad jokes? Come on, guys, admit it. Yep. Wouldn't they miss it if we didn't do it? They sure would. So enough of them, because they're getting a bit wet anyway, I think we should stop them. But I want to draw out some specifics from later on in the story, and so I'll just pray to you a little bit of what happened with Jonah, okay, so we don't have to go through the, every four of the four chapters. So basically, God asked Jonah to go to Nineveh, which is the capital of Assyria, and, and um, the message calling them to repentance. In other words, God wanted that ungodly nation of the Assyrians to come to know him, and he wanted Jonah to be used to take that message to them. What a great opportunity, Jonah. You know, how awesome that he's given this task to be used by God to see a whole nation turn to him. Who would love that task from God to say yes to? But Jonah said no. In fact, he did more than that. He decided he was going to run away from God and straight away bought a ticket on a cruise ship to go to a a very nice place called Tarshish. And as far as he was concerned, that was the end of the matter. He'd made his plans. He was going on a lovely, relaxing cruise, going on his life's holiday, and that was it. But how wrong could he be? The cruise hadn't been going too long. He'd only just found his favorite deck chair by the pool. And suddenly a, a violent storm whipped up. And it was so violent that it seemed it was getting stronger and stronger that the ship could capsize at any moment and the lives would be lost of everybody that was on board. So the crew was terrified and they began to throw stuff and chuck stuff over the side of the boat to try and lighten the ship. Now in the middle of all this mayhem and turmoil, we have Jonah who decided somehow that this storm, I think, is all my fault for running away from the Lord. Now, the crew continued to try to do everything they could to, do, to avert the disaster that was surely coming, but the situation just got worse and worse, and finally, they gave in to Jonah's pleading because he said to them, if you would just throw me over the board, overboard, it's the only way we can save the ship and save everybody on board. So in the end, reluctantly, they chuck him overboard, and immediately, the raging sea grew calm. Now, that could have been the end of a very short story, right? You know, man asked by God to do something, man disobeys God, man runs away from God, man gets on a ship, uh, the ship hit man, man gets thrown overboard, man drowned. End of story. Except that isn't the end of the story. Don't you like it when God has something else to say and do in a situation that you think might be over? This story really is an awesome message of the persistence of God. Just because Jonah said no to God, God didn't give up on Jonah. He didn't change his mind. He didn't go and choose someone else because he really wanted Jonah to have a second chance. Cool. Because this was part of the destiny God had in mind for Jonah. Even though there was a deviation from the way it was originally meant to happen, God's plan was still ultimately going to come to pass for both Jonah and for the city of Nineveh. Think about this this morning. You might have taken a foolish detour here and there in your life. You might have made some crazy 
silly, bad decisions from time to time. Even maybe you've said no to God sometimes when he's asked you to do something, but God is very persistent. He is very determined. He will continue throughout your life to try and get you to do yes and say yes to him because he knows that his plans for you are far greater and far better than the ones that you would have for yourself. Because he says he knows the plans he has for us, and they're not to harm us or to do any harm to us, but they're plans to give us hope and a future. God knows what he wants in our lives. And the amazing thing is, no matter how many times we might decide to go our own way, God comes along and tries very hard to show us his, and his love that he wants us to fulfill his destiny, his plan, which is by far the best for every one of us. Anyone agree with that this morning? So here we have Jonah saying no to God choosing his own way, running away from God's plan, tossed overboard into the sea in the midst of a violent storm. About, he's about to drown, never fulfilling the potential and destiny of God, but the Lord provided a huge fish. Cool. Jonah 1 verse 17. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now you might think that being swallowed by the huge fish was even more horrific than the storm, right? Like going from frying pan to fire. But you know that the fish isn't the villain in this story. The fish is the hero. He's the good guy. If it weren't for him... Jonah would be dead, right? He'd have drowned. And just think about it from the fish's point of view for a moment. Just going around your own business, you know, strictly seafood diet, plankton and little fry and all sorts of stuff. And I think it was a genie crab dried it, died actually. Oh, sorry, dad jokes. Yep, dad, dad joke. That's all right. Wipe that one. Dad joke. That's a pretty good dad joke, though, isn't it? Yeah. But now he's being asked by God to swallow whole a human being, and a rebellious human being at that. No chili sauce or ketchup going with it either. And he wasn't even allowed to have a good chew of him on the way through, right? Just swallow. See, the point is that the huge fish's job wasn't to destroy or harm Jonah, it was to save him. How do I know that? Because the Lord provided it. Why did the Lord provide the huge fish? Hope you get this one this morning. God provided the huge fish to give Jonah another chance. Wow. Was it comfortable? Wouldn't think so. Would it have been something Jonah would have chosen for himself? No way, of course. But it was God's provision to give him another chance. And I would go so far to say is it actually saved him and protected him from further consequences of his bad decision. And sure, right throughout our lives, we can say no when God wants us to say yes. But in every decision we make, whether it's a good one or a bad one, we're always going to reap consequences, aren't we? But when we make bad choices, or when we say no, we can literally not just um, bear the, reap the consequences. We actually can suffer the consequences of saying no. 
But God loves us with an undying love. He's so full of grace and mercy. So there are times in our lives He provides something for us to give us a second chance and to protect us from the further consequences of our bad decision. Selah. Think on that for a moment. I think it's even up there to help you. Chew on that. wonder if you can think of any times when you needed rescuing from a bad decision or a bad choice. Maybe you didn't recognize it at the time, but God provided a way out where there may not have been a way. He provided someone or something to come along into your life to help you through, to save you from further consequences of your bad decision. I love that about God. You still with me this morning? But here's the bad news. Not everything that God provides in these situations is entirely comfortable. The good news is God has a higher purpose in mind because he's far more interested. We've said this many times over the years. God is far more interested in the development of his character in us than he is in our comfort. And he's really interested in us saying yes to his leading and yes to his purpose in our lives. I'm sorry to disappoint any of you. I don't think any of you will be thinking this way. I'm really sure, but God is not an indulgent Santa Claus who will spoil us with everything we want and everything we ask for. There's always a bigger picture, right? A larger issue at stake than just us having a comfortable life. And here for Jonah, the bigger issue was the repentance of a whole nation. So because Jonah said no, God provided a huge fish, a tailor-made circumstance to give him another chance and to save him, protect him from further consequences of his bad decision. And eventually, after assessing his particular situation, Jonah has a change of heart. Yes. Look at this in Jonah 2 verse 9. And I'm jumping out, leaving out lots of stuff. You can read, it's only got four chapters. It doesn't take long to read if you want to go and check it up when you get home. He gets to this point where he says this, I, with shouts of grateful praise, suddenly something's changed, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. In other words, Jonah's saying, I'm saying yes, Lord. Yes to whatever you now want me to do. I don't know how it's all going to work out. I don't know what's going to happen next. I have no idea, but I am just saying yes. Now those words in 2 verse 9 were the key to the fish spitting Jonah out. Because look what happened the moment that prayer was uttered. This next verse, verse 10. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Nice word, vomited, isn't it? And it vomited, it vomited, you say that, actually, it's, it's like what it looks like, isn't it, when you think about it? Jonah onto dry land. Don't think about that line too much. What do you look like? And Don't distract me anymore, Paul. That's me. 
you know the release didn't come a moment earlier? He didn't stay in that place a moment longer than he needed to. It might have taken Jonah a long time to come around to say yes to God, but the huge fish said yes immediately. Isn't that cool? And then chapter 3, verse 1, 2, and 3, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh, proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. He said, yes. Isn't it so awesome that God gives another opportunity? Who's had one of those in their life? God's love and grace are so persistent. He doesn't ever give up, does he? The fish said yes. Jonah finally said yes. When he delivered his message, the king and the city wonderfully responded with yes. But the most amazing thing of all was God then responded back to their yes with his compassion and his forgiveness. When we respond to God in the right way, I'll tell you something, he always responds back to you. You can never do anything to outgive God. When you respond and say, yes, you open something in the principle of God's word that he pours back what's more of himself and more of what he has for your life into you whenever you say yes. If you're here this morning and thinking, I'm not sure if I want to say yes to God, it's going to be too hard for me. Let me tell you, it'll be harder for you if you say no. And the longer you say no, the more uncomfortable it will get because God wants you to release his blessing into your life by you saying yes to him. Great key in saying yes to everything God has for us, time after time in our lives. Got to realize this is a non-Jewish city. Nineveh, capital of Assyria, as I've already said, people outside the covenant of God, they they served all sorts of gods. So their salvation was a wonderful thing. And as a consequence, Jonah was ecstatic. He sent breaking news via texts and emails and tweets and Facebook messages and Instagrams all around the known world for breaking news, hash revival, hash thousands come to the Lord, hash huge baptism service, hash new Christian classes overflowing, hash overjoyed, hash praising God. Not. Not. Poor old Jonah. His response, chapter 4, verse 1, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. What a guy. Just got saved out of a shipwreck, and almost shipwreck, and almost drowning, and he's out of the belly of a big fish, and he's now, you know, and he's, he was so angry, God had spared Nineveh. Remember that the Assyrians were actually a very great enemy of Israel. They were known for slowly torturing their enemies to death. And this is the reason Jonah didn't want to go there. This is why he said no to God, why he ran away. He would rather they be destroyed than brought to salvation. Wonderful guy. Look what he says to the Lord in verse 2. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by getting on the cruise ship to go to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God. You're slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. (laughs) It's not fair. 
How incredible is that? He lists all these wonderful attributes and characteristics of God. He understood them for himself. He was blessed personally by them. But he's angry because God dares pour out the same blessings upon this other nation that wasn't part of the covenant when all he wanted for them was to be exterminated, obliterated from the face of the earth. Do you know something this morning? The people that don't yet follow Jesus are not our enemy. The only enemy they have is the same one you have. It's the devil. Because he hates all of us. They're not our enemy. They need Jesus, need God's love as much as we do. We're fighting the common foe. Anyway, so Jonah made himself a little shelter outside of the city and sat down to sulk. <laughs> Anyone ever done that? I'm going out to the garden to eat worms, you know? had enough of everybody. How incredible. Here's a preacher so extremely discouraged that his ministry has been so successful. <laughs> Wish I could be discouraged like that. <laughs> so God provided something else for Jonah. Provided a leafy plant. The Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow over, over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. God had provided him a big fish to give him a second chance. Now he's providing him with a leafy plant. Why did he do that? He's provided it for him to comfort him and encourage him. Man, you know as well as I do, there are many times in our lives we need comfort we need encouragement, and we need it from God, and God specifically provides us with people around us and situations around us and events around us and words from his word and worship music and, and, all, and the person that comes along and, and just puts her arm around it, just whatever it might be. God sends many things, provides many things for us, and we need them many times, comfort and encouragement. And notice it says that Jonah was very happy about the leafy plant. This is not... Sorry about that. That was me, Gareth. I did that. That's, shouldn't, I shouldn't do that, should I? He was very happy about the leafy plant. This is nice. In fact, it, if I close my eyes, I can almost think I'm back on my deck chair by the pool on the cruise ship. It's just, yeah. Oh, nice. Comfortable. Cool. But then the Lord provided a worm and a scorching wind. 4 verse 7, at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Man! That part of the world, when the temperature rises and the scorching east wind comes, a bit like the hot nor'wester here in Canterbury, the temperatures and where he was can go over 45 degrees Celsius. Jonah's comfort was gone. It's fascinating, though, that his reaction to the plant dying was the same reaction he had It's real before. It's real anger. He was angry. His comfort had been taken away. He was angry because he was unable to stay in that lovely, restful, comfortable, 
calm spot any longer. And I'm telling you this morning, that's exactly why God provided the worm and the scorching wind. Jonah wasn't supposed to stay in that comfortable place too long, otherwise it would have become his default place of living. Did that make sense, that sentence? Almost. God had provided a huge fish to give him another chance and to release him from further consequences of his stupid decision. Two, he'd, he'd provided a leafy plant to comfort and encourage him, and now he provided a worm and a scorching wind. Don't you find it fascinating that there, on one hand, God used a huge fish, and now he's using a, a little worm? Which was more important? You know, something in our lives tells us so many times, if I were just this, God could use me. But I just feel like this. I'm just a little worm compared with that huge fish out there, you know. I want to tell you this, when God uses you, no matter whether you're young or old, little or big, whether you've had great experience or little experience, God wants to use you. He takes small things in life and he nukes them for his glory. So it doesn't matter what you think this morning, God wants to use you. He wants to use you for his glory. Don't belittle yourself. Don't put yourself down. Don't limit yourself. Don't say, I cannot do it because I'm just me. Yes, because you're just you. God wants to use just you for his purposes. Why did God provide the worm and the scorching wind? Here it is. I've almost finished, by the way. He provided it to get Jonah's priorities and right order. I know none of us need that. I mean, our priorities are always in right order, aren't they? Never get that wrong, do we? It's time for Jonah to get rid of his complacency, to get rid of his feeling, I just want this comfort for the rest of my days. To stir his faith into action and to say yes again to God's purposes. So the worm and the scorching wind came. Jonah had become more concerned about himself and his own comfort than about the people God had wanted to touch. And he needed to freshly understand the heartbeat of God. So what happens if my response is no? Team, music team, would you come up? Now please, it'll be great as I close and... The temptation right now is that they're much prettier looking than I am. Well, some of them are. So just try and think about what's happening here. They're great, actually, aren't they? I hope they're still my friends. So what happens if my response is no? The sad thing is that the Bible tells me, and it's very clear, that if I continue my whole life denying him over and over and over, then ultimately he has no choice but finally to deny me. It's a scary thought, but it's, it's a salvation, an eternal destiny question, which I'm pretty sure most of us have dealt with and settled a long time ago. Maybe you haven't. Maybe it's the day that you should do that. Today I've been addressing the times God asks us to reach out in his love to someone else or 
to minister to someone or to serve someone or to serve him in some new way. Well, I think you understand what I'm getting at this morning. He wants us to say yes. And when we say no, we shouldn't be surprised if we find ourselves in tricky circumstances. And as with Jonah, these circumstances probably won't always be just happenstances. But at times, not always, not always, but at times, they're God's provision to give us another chance. God's provision to give us comfort and encouragement. God's provision to get our priorities in right order so we can say yes and get up and get going again. I wonder if we could stand together right now this morning. You've got a song lined up for us, haven't you? What is that song? How does it start off? What does it say? Can we see the words for a moment? I just, I've got a mind blank about it. And then it goes on, doesn't it? It says, your love brings me to my knees, right? Can we close our eyes for a moment? you just start playing a little bit of background to that? It'll be really helpful for me. Just, just as the music is playing quietly, let's, can we just contemplate for a few moments anything that God might be speaking to your heart this morning I'm not saying because I preached God is speaking into your heart at all but I'm saying that I'm hoping that God is speaking into some of our hearts today maybe he's taking something I've said or he's taking you off into a tangent or something else that I didn't say but the Holy Spirit may be speaking to you right now have you been balking at something God's been asking you to do? Have you been putting off something that you know God's challenged you with? Maybe it's, maybe it's getting right with someone when the relationship has been strained. Maybe it's forgiving someone that has hurt you. Maybe it's asking forgiveness from someone else that you've hurt. Maybe it's just going, yes, God, whatever it means, whatever it takes, I'm willing, I've been holding back, but I'm a bit scared, but I'm willing to put my hand in your hand. Is it just yes to bless someone? Is it just yes to serve in a new way or minister in some capacity? Is it to say yes because God's put a call in your heart? I believe there's some of you here today, God has challenged you with what he wants you to do with your future, but for you it is almost like, but if I give up what I've got now, I'm going to lose this, I'm going to lose my money, I'm going to lose my status, whatever it is, I don't know if I can pay the cost. Let me tell you something, the cost that God has paid for us is insignificant to the cost he asks us to give for him because I'll tell you if you'll say yes to God, your life will not only be fulfilled, but you'll help fulfill many other lives because you've been obedient. Don't say no to God, say yes. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you right now if there's anything in our lives you want to pinpoint, you want to put your finger on, not to make us feel horrible and convict, con con condemned, but so we can have your grace and your mercy just pour into it. So Lord, I ask you now, pour your grace and your mercy into any area that you're pointing out in lives. Pour your grace in, pour your mercy in, pour your love in, that they would say yes. And if you need to say yes, let's all just lift our hands and it means you're not being picked out. Maybe if it's something that God's challenging you on this morning and you can just sort of slowly lift those a little bit more and say, here it is, Lord, I'm saying yes. It's a yes of surrender. I'm giving it to you. 
take me, use me, whatever way you want. Yes, I'll put that right with that person. Yes, I'll do what you've asked me. Yes, I will give up that. Yes, I'll take on board that. Yes, I will love that person. Yes, I will serve. I will, I'll do what it is that you want me to do. And right now, Holy Spirit, just pour your seal of approval upon these decisions that are being made. In Jesus' name.